And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly, and bring evil upon us, and smite the city with the edge of the sword. 2 Samuel 15.14 Father, when others come for my position and influence, like Absalom, I will not worry or be dismayed. Instead, I will take David's lead in 2 Samuel 17.17 17, and remember a very vital truth, that what's for me is for me. Because this truth is my reality, it gives me the advantage because I know that your hand is on me and for me. Therefore, when people plot against me, they are actually going against you and your sovereign plans for my life. No matter what my current position is, everything will turn around and work out for my good. Titles and accolades don't deter me from declaring my destined future. I will continue to boldly prophesy and speak life over my family, finances, and future. Because you have already co-signed on me and everything that you have prepared for my life long before I took my first breath. What is mine is mine. And I thank you, God, that you will see to it that it comes to me under your grace in a perfect way. In Jesus' name, amen. Listening to these daily prayers strengthens your relationship with God. Continue hearing from the Lord by listening to today's Bible in a Year. Brought to you by BibleInAYear.com Absalom comes for the throne. In our last story, Joab convinced David to allow his son Absalom to return from exile. Absalom returned not as a reformed or changed man, but more bitter than ever. Absalom displayed evil tendencies by burning Joab's fields and is reunited with David. Now we witness the true heart of Absalom as he dethrones his father and sends David into the wilderness. David, fleeing from his life again, is met with true loneliness and comforted by the Spirit of God, as inspired by the book of 2 Samuel. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results, made just for us. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip to the professional-grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girlbomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb, available at Walgreens.
The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com Hello, this is Pastor Jack Graham once again with today's episode of the Bible in a year. In yesterday's episode, we heard how Joab convinced David to allow Absalom to return to Israel. David eventually allowed his banished son to return, but did not welcome him with open arms. Instead, Absalom lived for two years without speaking to his father. In that time, his anger and bitterness only grew stronger and stronger. When David finally reconnected with his son, the damage was done and evil had filled Absalom's heart. He was determined to kill his own father and take the throne. Today, we'll learn how he overthrows King David and sends his father into exile into the wilderness. David will once again taste the bitterness of separation from his home and the fear of being hunted by another man. But even as he flees for his life, God will remain faithful to him and comfort him in his loneliness and grief. So, let's listen now to today's reading. Ambition, greed, and revenge. Thoughts of sitting on the throne consumed Absalom into the night. Back and forth he would pace the halls of his home, plotting how he might seize the title of king from his father. Slowly and methodically, he began to take action against David. It began with a few purchases. Absalom acquired a few chariots and horses and added them to his collection. Later he hired men to ride them. Yet he did not storm the city of Jerusalem and take his father's throne by force. No, Absalom knew he needed the love and favor of the people. So Absalom would rise early in the morning to stand at the gates of Jerusalem. When men and women in need would come to visit the king, Absalom would comfort them. He would spin lies and tales about David's ineptitude and weariness. You have so many needs. You are right to seek counsel from the king, Absalom would tell them. It is a shame he has no time or appointed people to hear your cries. If only I were set as king over the land, every man and woman would be loved and listened to. Absalom did this often, and day by day, people began to adore him. Absalom was violent, spiteful, and filled with pride. However, he was a patient man. For four years he stood at the gates and sowed discord among the people. For four years he planted seeds of doubt and bitterness towards the king. For four years, Absalom slowly built a small army able to overtake Jerusalem. Absalom traveled to Hebron, far away from the city of Jerusalem, and hired men and women to spread rumors that Absalom had been named the new king over Israel. It was only a matter of time before Absalom could make his final push for the throne and life of David. The streets began to rumble. Hushed whispers soon became chants as the people of Israel called for Absalom to be king. It was music to Absalom's ears. A sly smile came across his face. It was time. Absalom gathered his men and began parading through the streets of Jerusalem. He postured himself, sending a clear message to David. The message 
was received. David and his servants knew that Absalom would come for David's life. David would not allow the city of Jerusalem to become a battleground. He would not risk the lives of innocent people in a civil war. He gathered his things and fled through the back of the palace. David ran towards the wilderness when he saw dozens of people waiting on the outskirts of the gates. David marveled as a gathering of different tribes stood there, foreigners that David had welcomed in, David's personal bodyguard and mighty men, and the priests with the Ark of the Covenant stood there, ready to die if it meant following David. You should leave. It may mean death for you all, David said, doing his best to hold back tears. Wherever you are, whether in death or in life, we will be as well, they said. David was overwhelmed by their faithfulness. So they ventured forth across the brook of Kidron towards the Mount of Olives. The trees swayed back and forth as the sun began to set. The people behind David began to set up camp, but David went ahead to kneel before God. There in the coolness of the night, David wept before his Lord. He prayed earnestly and painfully. The air was crisp and the stars were visible in between the trees. It was in this very place on the Mount of Olives that one of David's descendants would pray to God as well. He would pray earnestly and painfully. Then he would cross the brook towards his enemies and be crucified. David and his people ventured a little further into the wilderness. As they passed through the countryside, they were met with kindness and curses. Some remembered the courageous and compassionate leadership of David and helped him. Others were loyal to Absalom and threw rocks, sticks, and curses toward them. It was a humbling season for David. He longed to lead his people again. He longed to see his family. He longed to see the Lord unleash his justice. Meanwhile, back in Jerusalem, Absalom sat upon the throne. He gave out a deep sigh of contentment and laughed. It had been a long and drawn-out plan, but it was worth it. Absalom was finally king over Israel, although David was still alive. Absalom set up a tent on the roof of the palace and slept with all his father's servants. He began his hostile and lustful takeover of Israel. Absalom called Ahithophel and Hushai to his side. The two were once counselors to David, and now Absalom sought their advice. What should be our plan of attack for David, he asked. Ahithophel was a weak man. His loyalty was not to David or to Absalom, but to whoever would provide for him and keep him safe. Ahithophel rubbed his hands together and said, You ought to choose twelve thousand men and pursue David tonight. Do not give him time to regain his strength. You should move now while he is discouraged. Absalom enjoyed the advice and began to make arrangements. He called Hushai and asked him the same question. Hushai was a strong man and dedicated to God and David. He spoke to Absalom as a loyal servant, although his true allegiance was to David. Your father is no fool, Hushai said. You forget that he and his men are mighty warriors. You would not be able to ambush him so easily. In fact, you may not be able to find him at all. I think you should hold a rally with the people of Israel, gather them all together and motivate them. Then, with their cheers and support behind you, you should ride into battle against David. For if you are the true king, you should be able to defeat David yourself. 
Hushai appealed to Absalom's vanity. The rally would buy David more time to prepare. Then, if Absalom rode into battle, it would give David the opportunity to get rid of the problem himself. Absalom agreed, and Hushai secretly sent word to David. When Absalom prepared his rally, David prepared his people. He fed them, clothed them, and tended to them as a shepherd would his sheep. David knew something that Absalom did not. The anointing of God is what makes a man king. No title, no army, and no influence would ever replace the hand of God upon David. He had learned this when facing Goliath. He learned it facing the Philistines, and he learned it in the wilderness fleeing from Saul. Nothing and no one would harm David, for the God of all heaven and earth was with him. This was something Absalom would learn soon enough. Our passage begins with a bitter and hateful Absalom setting in motion an evil plan to force David, his own father, off the throne. We know that Absalom is willing to wait for his time of vengeance. He waited two years to exact revenge on his brother Amnon, and this time he will do the same. He waits. He begins to amass horses and chariots and men to ride with him when the time was right. But before he could make his move, Absalom knew he needed to weaken the foundations of David's rule, and so like the serpent in the Garden of Eden, Absalom began to whisper lies, questioning the goodness of the king. Day after day, he would meet people who came to see the king, and he would fill their heads with lies, seducing the people into believing him, eroding their loyalty to David and his rule. For four years, he worked to undermine the king, all the while building his own army. But he didn't stop with the lies in Jerusalem. He spread rumors and false tales across the land, leading people to believe that he was already king of Israel. In time, Absalom was ready to strike. David saw the writing on the wall, and though he counted on loyal and courageous men, he was not willing to turn the city of God into a battleground or to put the lives of his people in danger. It's been said that it takes a bigger man to walk away from a fight than to start one, and David demonstrates that he is the bigger man. So he left the palace for the wilderness. It was something that he had done when Saul wanted to kill him. But this time, he was leaving the throne, his home, and the place where God's temple was. But even in the wilderness, he knew that he was not alone. God was with him as always, but so were many faithful Israelites who believed in him, along with priests who brought the Ark of the Covenant. But David was not willing to see the Ark removed from its rightful place in Jerusalem. He trusted God enough to send it back to the city, knowing that if it was God's will, that he would return one day. Clearly, this was a time of great challenge for David. He is running for his life. His son is sitting on the throne of Israel, an illegitimate king who was not anointed or blessed by God, and it grieved David, as did the fact that he was so far from the place of worship, the temple, the symbol of God's presence, and the place that he loved to worship his creator. In 2 Samuel 16, verse 30, we get a sense of David's sorrow and grief when we read, David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went, barefoot and with his head covered. And all the people who were with him covered their heads, and they went up, weeping as they went. Through this time, God comforted David's heart and strengthened him. And from David's exile, we have some of the most heartfelt and beautiful psalms, 
poems that speak of David's longing to be in the dwelling place of the Lord again. And even as David endured loneliness and sadness, God was preparing the way for his return. For as Absalom surrendered himself with advisors and sought their counsel, his vanity kept him from seeing that some in his midst were loyal to David and would set the stage for Absalom's downfall. And we will hear all about that the next time. Dear God, we thank you that when we are lonely and broken, or in times when we are estranged from loved ones and friends, when we are grieving, when we are hurting, that you always comfort us. We know that we can seek you and find you as you have promised. When we face our trials and our struggles and our difficulties, when we are betrayed by even people that we love, we pray that your presence will always fill us with your grace and peace. In the name of Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, amen. Thank you for listening to today's Bible in a Year podcast. I'm Pastor Jack Graham, and we appreciate so very much your interest, your prayers, and your involvement in this wonderful effort to walk through the Bible. I would encourage you to download the Pray.com app and make prayer a true priority in your life, along with the study of God's Word. If you appreciate and have enjoyed this podcast, it would be very helpful if you would share it with someone you love because it will make a huge difference in their lives. And if you want to know more about how you can know Jesus and follow him, how you can live the Christian life, be sure to visit jackgraham.org. Thank you and God bless you. This episode is sponsored by MediShare, an innovative healthcare solution for Christians to save money without sacrificing quality. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to instill your littlest scholar with a love of learning? Introducing the Preschool Course from the Good and the Beautiful. Enrich curious minds with engaging hands-on material that cultivates an appreciation for literature, art, God, family, and nature. This award-winning system uses a balanced approach to introduce letters, numbers, fine motor skills, and more. Start your journey now at goodandbeautiful.com. The Good and the Beautiful, bringing home a love of learning. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.